Paul and I would like to acknowledge that we record this podcast on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri people. We would like to pay our respect to the elders both past and present of the Kulin Nation and to other Indigenous Australians who may listen. Hi, I'm Paul. And I'm Beck. And this is DVD Clutter. Well, Hanks. I'm almost over it. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> this is, we've done, this is what, number four? This is our fourth Hanks film. Yes. We're going back to 1985. 1985. Yeah. Wild. Our fourth Hanks film, our second last one. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty exciting. The man with one red shoe we're looking at today. Yes. The man with one red shoe. Hanks is back in Australia. Yeah. So what's he filming again? A Baz Luhrmann film. That's right. About Elvis. Oh, yep. So how can they film that during COVID? Queensland, man. Oh, they're in Queensland. Yeah, it's not It's not here in Victoria. <laughs> I know it's not. I knew it wasn't here. I just thought... I just sometimes think that everywhere is like Melbourne, but obviously it's not. No. Well, no, actually, this time... when By the time this episode is released, we might have had news as to whether or not we are allowed now to do some more stuff and have some more freedoms. So, fingers crossed. I know. Very exciting. Numbers are looking good, aren't they? Numbers are looking good, touch wood. Well, The Man With One Red Shoe, 1985. What a year. It's the year my sister was born. Today's my sister's birthday. It's all coming oh, together. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Anne. Here's a present for you is that you will never have to watch this film. <laughs> wow. Wild. Big calls early on. I know. Um, I was going to try and hold it in, but... I just slipped out. I kind of knew as soon as we got onto this Zoom call that that was going to be your vibe on this. What? <laughs> you, were, you were letting that sort of vibe out um, even was... before we started recording. Oh, God. I'm too readable. I remember one time, <laughs> this is totally off topic, but I remember one time when I was at uni and this girl was like saying something to me and I didn't really like her. And she was like <laughs> saying things that was like, it was just, it's a, it's, it was like inane chatter to me. And I just looked mm-hmm. at her and I thought I was making like a polite face. Like I thought I was being like, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she just looked at me and she said, don't look at me like I'm an idiot. And I was like, oh, fuck. How did she? That was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, whoa, <laughs> she read my face. And that's when I realized I don't have a very good poker face. Um, fair enough. Yeah, that was my story. I, I can totally agree with that girl. Yeah. <laughs> Your thought process there. Well, look, let's let the audience decide with a plot breakdown. Yeah, well, first I'll give a quick talk about this movie coming into my life. Oh, Um, yeah, okay. Much like the other ones, it was part of the DVD box set. Yeah. This one I watched, I think it might have been like a second movie in a night one time. Um, I used to have a projector above my bed that I could project movies from. Yeah. Um, And I watched this one I know very late and remembered very little from it. Um, at all so watching it this time was almost like i'd watched it for the first time ever Mm. um the only thing that i sort of remembered from that first time was that initial bit where they pick out the man with one red shoe from Mm. the train station airport airport Airport. yeah yeah right but yeah no big connection to this later on i do remember talking to a, a mate i used to live with who was chatting to a girl on tinder who was really into film and for some reason, he was trying to stump her with films she hadn't heard of. And I suggested that's, that he try this one. That's uh, 
sexy banter, is it, these days? Yep, that's it, apparently. I, I don't know why I said sexy. One. I'm sure it's not sexy, but <laughs> I didn't mean that. I meant like witty banter. Anyway, I'm interrupting your story. No, it's all right. She had heard of it. Oh. But then again, like, you could just Google that. There's no fact checking on Tinder. <laughs> no, that's there? right. <laughs> I had never heard of this film. And no. I'm, I'm surprised that she had heard of it. So kudos to her. She knows her Tom Hanks. Yeah. Maybe had the same box set. Or maybe, maybe you just Google it. You never know. But uh, based off a French film, The Tall Blonde Man Wearing One Black Shoe. Yeah. From 1972. This is the American remake. Now in French, please. Le Grand Blonde Avec Un Chasseur Noir. Very good. That's way better than I expected. <laughs> That was probably awful. I do apologize. But the story is really you've got these two rival CIA agents. Um, One is the head of the CIA. One's the deputy head. The deputy head wants to become the head of the CIA. The deputy head to make the head of the CIA look like a fool made a drug bust go wrong in, was it Egypt? Morocco. Or Morocco. Morocco. And the head of the FBI is dealing with the fallout from this. And he's got his right-hand man, who is the grandfather from the Gilmore Girls. Um, oh. I should look up his actual name. His name's Mr. Brown. But I yeah. don't know his, the Mr. actor's yeah. name, sorry. Edward Herman. And he basically says, look, you know what, Edward Herman, I want to get back at this guy who's trying to get me out of my job. I need you to send them on a wild goose chase. Go to the airport. They'll be following you because I know that they've got us all bugged. They avoid getting this conversation heard by going out and walking and talking amongst the sprinklers. Go to the airport and randomly point out someone... Talk about them a bit, shake their hand, and that will send this person on a wild goose chase. So, Mr. Brown goes to the airport, and he's looking around for someone that he can sort of point out, and he happens to see Tom Hanks, who's this guy named Richard Drew in the movie, and he's just wearing one red shoe, and he's like, okay, cool. I'm just he's got say, another He's look. got another shoe on as well, but it's one black yes, and one yeah. red. Yeah. yeah. So, he's like, there's the man with the one red shoe. We have to go talk to him. And he basically runs up, shakes his hand, and this sets the um, deputy director's team um, on this wild goose chase, looking uh, looking all about Tom Hanks and trying to figure out who he is. Thinking he's an agent In of real some life, kind. Yeah, thinking he's some sort of, yeah, super spy. Um, in real life, he's a violin player in an orchestra, does a little bit of teaching on the side. Um, yeah, oh my god, and, that was weird. Yeah, he does. Um, and then the rest of the movie is really Tom Hanks being oblivious to these people chasing him and these people slowly sort of chasing him and building something out of nothing. They keep on coming across all these sort of incidents and thinking, ah, he must be, you know, he must have hidden the microfilm in his teeth Yeah, because he's booked in with the dentist. Yeah, tearing apart his clothes, seeing if it's in the seams. And, you know, haphazardly falling apart. Um, complications added to this are... Tom Hanks is having a bit of an affair with the wife of the timpani player or the girlfriend of the timpani player. Um, wife. The timpani player. Wife. Yep. The mm. wife. The timpani player t- played by Jim Belushi. His name is Morris. And his wife is played by Carrie Fisher. Mm. Bet she regrets this who, role. Oh, she's just underused. She's got, you know, so much more potential. She's not there for much. But, um. Paul, yeah. no one's there Paula. for much in this film. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, look, and. What else happens? One of the uh, spy people from the deputies team falls in love with Tom Hanks. Yeah, Laurie Singer, who we know mm. from Footloose. Oh, yeah. Mm. 
Wow, it's all connected. It's all connected. Uh, in the end, the deputy head of the FBI gets so paranoid that there's this super spy out there that's trying to bring his career to an end that he ends up bringing his own career to the end. The FBI head gets away with it. Um, oh, no, he doesn't quite. No, he doesn't. He also gets, he gets uh, demoted and Brown steps up to be head of the FBI. Yep. Brown's kind of been like, he's sort of a bit of a moral conscious. He's yeah. looking after Tom Hanks's character because he's sort of like, you know, he's not really involved. It was just, he was a pawn in our plan. Yeah, and, um, the, and the director of the CIA is going, I don't care if he dies. My career is on the line. So, you know, stop yeah. watch, stop watching him and protecting him. Take the agents that we've, we had some agents watching him. And protecting him, get rid of them. I don't care if he dies anymore, it's my career. And that's when Brown is like, no, 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 no. Yeah, and everyone ends up happily ever after. Um, yeah, that's that's basically so the, it. Is there Laurie any Singer, more of a plot that I need to... Oh, yeah. Well, Laurie Singer yeah. and Tom Hanks get together in the end. Did you yeah. say that already? Uh, no, I didn't. They okay, get together. Yeah. So they, yeah. she like defects to the good side, falls in love with him, and they live happily yeah. ever after, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. Rose tinted review. <laughs> I given that you can't remember much. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I kind of assumed that I I don't know, I came in really sort of low bowling this film. I assumed I can't remember anything, so it's probably not gonna be anything good. And look, it wasn't amazing, but can I say I didn't hate it. I didn't have an actively bad time as I sat and watched this. I was kinda like, Oh yeah. Yeah, to put it plainly, I'm I'm glad I watched it again. Will I ever feel the desire to watch it again in my life or remember any more than those basic plot details that, as you could see, are already fading. Um, <laughs> no. It was yeah. fine. It was completely fine. Oh, fine's uh, probably a bit more of a stretch. I think fine it was is defi- very generous. <laughs> it was definitely something. I, I remember, you know, I at least got involved a bit in the plot. I do like the spy sort of stuff. It reminded me of, and uh, this is a overstretch by far, but... Did you ever watch Burn After Reading, the Coen Brothers film? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really like that movie. Yeah. And this is, is sort of it's a... It's very similar vein, but Burn After Reading is way more clever. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't quite have the, the cleverness or... I don't know. There's the character development. No. I really, yeah. Again, yeah. I just feel like Carrie Fisher especially was underused because she's so talented. Hanks was just sort of going through like... And it wasn't his fault. I think he was really trying to add something to this character. But I, I feel like someone must have watched this French movie, loved the idea of it, and just said, okay, just do that idea, but didn't really... And look, I've never seen the original movie. Um, yeah. It was popular enough in France that it spawned a sequel. Yeah. Um, Won some awards but as I, well. Yeah. It just wasn't... Um, you're right. It just wasn't quite clever enough or clever... Because, yeah, as clever as it could be... To make it good. It was terrible. You think terrible? I think terrible is a stretch. <laughs> I mean, fine. You know, it wasn't offensive in a way that I couldn't watch it. Or it wasn't like, you know, racist and misogynistic more than a, a film from the more 1980s, than sort of, yeah. you know, was. Yeah. But it was so fucking boring. It was so boring. It was so, yeah, so I- boring. And... And I have like, there's just so many questions about like, why, like why the whole, there's the plot doesn't make sense. The plot is like, so my, my take on this is that, so the tall blonde man with one black shoe is more, I think of a a farce and the character who I watched some of it um, on YouTube 
and it's way more over the top. The main character who Tom Hanks is playing is way more kind of like goofy, like falls over himself, like he's a bit more of a, a clumsy, like, whoa, like it's way more slapstick. It's way more over the top. And Hanks plays it so straight that you don't get like a, he's not a slapstick actor. I mean, he might be able to be, but he wasn't in this. He was like very much playing the straight man and it didn't and- work because you can't have this, like, you can't have this farcical film where this clueless man keeps somehow you know, beating the odds and somehow not figuring out what's going on and just missing death by an inch every time. You can't have that if he's just this, like, personality-less, like, blob. Yeah. And and trying and I, to be cool as well. Like, not even, like... He's got to be, like, a bit loosey-goosey, a bit, like, kooky. I don't know. It was just so bad. Well, yeah, I think... And that just comes from a lazy remaking. And I think... They, 100%. they like the general they like the general concept of it but you know you either had to go fully sort of down the really witty kind of we're pulling this back and we're gonna I guess make a satire of FBI and sort of secret intelligence or you keep it in that slapstick genre yes and they didn't really what either. they did is they sort of no they sort of said we'll kind of go a little bit that way and we'll just fill it in with what was yes. from the remake from the original and it just didn't it didn't work yeah it left a lot to be desired. And when I watch the clips on YouTube from the original, it's literally shot for shot. I mean, it's not shot for shot yeah. like Psycho, but it's like literally every single scene, every detail is what it was in the French film. So it, it, it's just, it's stupid. It's lazy. It is exactly like, oh, we saw something in this French film that worked well. Let's make it in American so that we don't have to read subtitles but then they've just done a, a shocking job. And it, that, that kind of remake is a disappointing one because I, I am all for the remake. I think um, remakes, especially by different um, countries of cinema, can really add to something or, you know, make you look at something in a different way. I'm, you know, I'm not just a person who's like, oh, you know, the original's always better because oh. the original, you know, different if yeah. it's... Um, any Often good. better and remakes. No. <laughs> remakes. Well, not necessarily. Remakes no, I don't know what so I'm much, talking about. Remakes are so much a part of cinema. Cinema is remake after remake after remake. It's, yeah, everything is a remake. Um, yes, and that, yes, even like this yeah, is definitely it, not the last of its kind. No, that it's just disappointing that yeah, when you see a remake done like this, which is just yeah, you know, well, let's just Eng- let's just put it in English. Um, yeah, exactly. They haven't added not any of their own, culture. like... Yeah. Because I, I think there, you know, there is... And, you know, Burn After Reading is a really good example of a way that American cinema can take on, I guess, these ideas of sort of, like, government agencies' involvement and everything turning out to equal nothing and, you know, mm. making making the government look stupid. But it, it's a very American sort of um, comedy thing. You know, they can do it. They didn't do it here. They no. just... Yeah. Well, it kind of reminded and, me of Austin Powers. Yeah. Like it need like it needed yeah. that over the topness to make it into something worthwhile remembering. Like Austin the Austin yeah. Powers does that kind of so over the top, spoofy, whatever that it's yeah. memorable and it's got substance. I mean, you know, but this <laughs> we'll rewatch that soon. We'll okay. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. it's it's memorable and it's got color, you know, like it's like it's vibrant. This film is so colorless and so flat. It just felt so like I had to eat lots of popcorn to keep myself awake. Do you want to talk about specifics? Well, yeah, we could talk about specifics, but I was just going to chat with the audience for a second and say it's a, it's that hard one to talk about in that Normally when we come across a film, it's either something that, that's that's good and we can talk about the good bits of it or it's something that's awful and we can talk about the awful bits. But this is so... Yeah, like mediocre. A slice of white bread that you just like... Yeah. Well, it definitely happened. And I think that, you know, it speaks to the fact that unlike a film that we're going to be looking at next week where you can't you can't find it anymore on, on the internet or they're not making any at-home copies to buy... This one you sort of can't really find, but you, like you know, you can buy it on a digital download because it's sort of there. But no one's going to any effort to resurface it or no. Or talk but about yeah, it. but you're right; they're not like also actively hiding it either. No, it's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. It should I mean, be lost yeah. to history, and it yeah, kind and of is. like the. I really feel like because we both watched this on. You watched it on DVD? Well, no, well? I didn't actually get to watch it on DVD because my DVD player kept rejecting it. So uh-huh. I'm a bit worried. Hopefully it doesn't reject uh, Bachelor the Party. The next one. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, but the DVD itself is just like, it's got the cinema poster and the DVD logo, you know, just yeah. DVD with that little disc below it. And then the play movie. But yeah. that's... Yeah. That's it. And even when I was doing research for it, I like we went for a walk and then um, we were going to go to the shops. Not together. I was going to wait outside, everyone. Yeah. Just so you know. But then I didn't even do that because I was like, oh, I need to go home so I can do some research before we record. And then I sat down to do some research and I like read the Wikipedia page. And the Wikipedia page is like essentially the plot. And then nothing else. Like, it tells you a bit about it. But there's, like, there's no trivia. There's no production details. I searched for trivia. I searched for, like, behind the scenes, you know, information. Usually I can find, like, a bunch of stuff on films. that Little bits and pieces and tidbits from what people have said about the film. There is, like, nothing on this film. The only thing I could find was on the IMDb trivia. Which did have a few things, but nothing really that interesting. But apparently Tom Hanks obviously said that this was a terrible film and has no plot. Which, yeah, I was like, yeah, 100% agree. This is definitely the worst thing I've seen him in. And it's the worst, the worst role I've ever seen him playing. Until wow. next week. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I just mean, I just mean it's the worst, like his acting didn't fit. It didn't fit, like his character, yeah. there was no okay. character development. You're right about that. And his his acting didn't fit what the movie needed, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, like you said at the start, it's not necessarily his fault, but that must be, that's directing and screenwriting and all the other stuff. Yeah. A clear lack of thought went into making this. Yeah. Um, almost so little thought went into it that it almost <laughs> would have been <laughs> more effort to do what they did than to actually try. But you never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, it is It is totally like that. Let's talk about, like, a few bits and pieces. So we've already talked a little bit about yep. about Hanks in this role. Do you have mm-hmm. anything, any specific moments you want to talk about with him? Or Well, I think, look, you know, this role fits into what Hanks could have been. Right. You know, in our alternate timeline, where he was getting cast in sort of this thing again and again and again. And 
you know, he, he can do the zany, as I said, that sort of Adam Sandler-esque sort of, and then get really angry and speak like this. And he could have just been doing these films for forever. How Now that we know how good he can be and yeah. what he can do, I think you very, very much feel like that he's doing nothing here. Oh, yeah. It, think, it does yeah, feel yeah. like that. Yeah. It feels so bland. Watching this is a victim of um, how good he becomes as an actor. Later, or yeah. Or when, he, yeah. when he's allowed to sort of do some acting. Yeah. So that's probably what I've got to say on Hanks. Yeah. There, yeah. there are a lot of... There are a lot of this movie. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, his char- the character had no development at all. You felt like you just didn't feel connected to him or interested in, in his story at all. Like, it was just so crazy. Like, I don't know. I can't remember the last movie when I felt like I just didn't care so much. And, yeah. the, like, some of the things, we, maybe we can use this to talk about Carrie Fisher as well because there's this this kind of strange love triangle between... He's having an affair with his best friend, who's the the percussionist, with his wife, who's Carrie Fisher's character, and he like even his his interactions with her don't seem believable. Like he's kind of it feels like he's not even present in the room half the time, um, and she's yeah. kind of doing this whole like she's obsessed with him and she's like oh we're so in love and and he's like oh I can't do this anymore because of my best friend and I don't want to hurt him, but he's kind of half-heartedly oh, doing it. He's like, oh no, I've taken my pants off, but I really don't want to do this. It's very strange. And that, that kind and of love he, triangle is a really, like that's a real kind of staple of a French farce. And that sort of, um, I guess, sex crazy woman. Yes. That, you know, and it, it just doesn't feel quite comfortable here. No, it doesn't um, at all. So they maybe they could have looked at that relationship a bit differently because also you're encouraged to, to kind of think that he's a nice guy and, Nice guys don't sleep with their um, their best friend's wife, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah, again, and I know I feel like I'm talking... Everyone should go out and watch Burn After Reading because it's, yeah, it's yeah. a good version of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's the affairs that go on in that too. And I guess because you don't have in that movie such a, a main character, like the whole setup of making Tom Hanks the main character and having a love story with... What's her face? Carrie Fisher. Not Carrie Fisher. The, oh, no, the, Laurie Singer. The femme fatale. Yeah, you don't need that. You don't... This should have been more of an ensemble movie. Everyone should have just been a bit more developed. But in, by making it just all on Hanks, it kind of... Yeah, again, it, it tries to have feet in two different camps. Yeah. You know, is this a... Is this a rom-com? Nah. It's, it's supposed to be a political farce sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, well, do you want to talk any more about Carrie Fisher? I just, I, yeah, this is totally underutilized her talents and, yeah, yeah. I um, mean, it, and- it would have been fun if ever she did a good job of being like totally melodramatic and totally over the top. And if everyone else matched her, maybe we would have had something worth remembering. Yeah, or if that changed the character to be a really sort of witty, clever sort of thing rather yeah. than, but no, didn't. Yeah. Um, no. She's um, incredibly attractive. Though. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so, just so fucking weird. She had this weird, not, actually, I shouldn't say weird. Like, that's total kink shaming. And I apologize to anyone with this kink. But she has a, um, like, a she likes pretending Tarzan to be Tarzan and Jane. Jane and yeah. so that's, like, a theme that kind of goes throughout the whole film. Which, which again, wasn't taken quite far enough for what their jokes that they end up doing with it. Yeah. Like, 
the big jokes, and I'm, there's spoilers here, but no one's going to watch no, it. No, please don't um, watch it. <laughs> so there's one of the big jokes is while they're trying to catch Hanks being a spy, they record him. So they end up record recording him and Carrie Fisher doing this Tarzan roleplay thing. Yeah. And they're listening to this in a surveillance van and her husband hears it and yeah. starts chasing it around. Yeah. The build-up to that wasn't enough for that payoff to, be, to really work. And then right at the end of the movie, because much like... Um, George Clooney's character in <laughs> Burn After Reading, Jim Belushi sort of sees all the sort of weird endpoints of all of these things that go on between the two spy agencies and, you know, thinks he's gone... Crazy. Crazy. And yeah. he ends up at, at an institution and lives up in a tree and sort of the whole Tarzan thing. But again, you kind of have to sit down and go, oh, yeah, they had that Tarzan thing. <laughs> that's why this is a joke at the end. Yeah. Not like... It's not... But if they'd taken it that bit bit further or played it, look, you know, I yeah. I can't think of the, the other thing. Here, but it felt like it was yeah a missed a missed opportunity. Yeah, as is everything in this film. They yeah. don't stick any landings. No, they definitely don't. Everything felt awkward and the timing felt off. The other scene yeah. that made me cringe the most is first of all, actually, we should talk about Laurie Singer. Her sunglasses, those speed dealers that she was wearing the whole time. <laughs> so, so weird. Like, was that was that an attempt to like make the film modern? So she's like this beautiful blonde-haired woman with like very classic kind of features and dressed in like eighties clothes and then just wearing these black they are speed dealers right is that what they're called yeah like those black speedies i think we call them okay yeah black speed dealers that just made her look like a fucking idiot and she like was they were all trying to do this like really serious like spy kind of like oh yeah you've got something in my ear now i'm walking over here with purpose now i'm taking a photo of this now i'm doing this everything's really deliberate and it just was so awkward. But the the most the bit that made me cringe the most is when he, when she like lures him into that hotel room and all of her other you know gang yeah. members, for want of a better word, the other bad baddies are watching behind glass. And yeah, she gets her hair caught in his zipper, and it's like a whole like oh ha, ha, looks like he's getting haired like sexual yeah. joke whatever whatever. It was just so awkward. The timing was because, bad. Yeah. Everything. It was just like, I can see that you're trying to make, you're trying to have some sexual innuendo here and it's just not landing at all. No. Yeah, that's just it. And again, it's, you feel like the joke wasn't taken far enough or shouldn't have happened. Like someone should have stepped in and gone, actually, this didn't work, folks. Let's try. Yeah. Yeah. Man, maybe maybe it was their it, reactions. I don't know. Yeah. Like, they the had whole... no chemistry. They had nothing. And then also the reactions of the people sort of watching this going on. Like, again, there should have been... That should have been funnier. Yes. The mirror should have sneezed. There should have been, you know, like... Yes. Some yeah. ridiculous going on. But it just... Yeah, instead it kind of felt overly voyeuristic. It totally... It weird. totally felt overly voyeuristic. It felt creepy and awkward. It just was like... Yeah. This is so weird. Um, yeah, because you needed you needed that guy to be more mustache twirling villain in that sort of situation, but yeah. instead he kind of was just like good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very like too serious. It was yeah, and then even and even Tom Hanks, his reactions were just like, oh, this is awkward, and she was like, oh, this is awkward. They weren't like she should have been like more, more like 
Because she was trying to be um, predatory, right? To try and get him mm. to... Yeah, so she should have been even more predatory or more outraged because she was hurt. I don't know. Everything just needed to be taken up a notch. Yeah, that's it. And he's, he sort of needed to be even more innocent, I think, yes. than he kind of was. And like, awkward because you know. he's got this woman's yeah. hair stuck in his crotch. But also another shout out to Laurie Singer <laughs> the, for the worst costuming which this is actually from the original the speed dealers weren't yeah, from the french I... movie but <laughs> but she also in the french movie and in this movie she has this like extreme backless dress which shows what was called when i looked at it, when i looked at the french movie on wikipedia um called butt cleavage to put it nicely um we would call it plumber's yep. crack <laughs> <laughs> erotic plumber's crack erotic plumber's crack and that was just like oh my god what the fuck i don't know like again it's something that could have been taken maybe even more extreme i don't know like it was like yeah i'm not sure it just that didn't work either for me it did yeah. it did make me gasp but i think that was one of the big draw cards of the original french film it was yeah like, so wow and yes then this just kind of feels yeah like awkward but i don't know how that Erotic plumber's crack, which I, I love <laughs> as a phrase, could have ever been wow. I kind of want to watch the French film and see if, like, that's actually a thing or if it just looks as awkward. Because the dress doesn't even sort of fit properly. It just sort of, like, hangs a little bit around the butt. I think it would have been funny know? if they, like, if her whole butt was showing or if it was, like, arseless chaps or something. Like, <laughs> I yeah. don't know, something that was just, like, more unexpected. Because you don't want to... It, they're try- Maybe they were trying too hard to... And I think they were doing this with Hanks as well. They were trying too hard to maintain the dignity of these characters. <laughs> yeah. Right? They yes, were trying yes, too yes, hard yes, yes. to make her still be sexy and to make him still be attractive. When really, yeah. if you're doing this kind of movie, your main your leads need to be so ready to make a fool of themselves. And so she needs to be ready to go to the extreme to look ridiculous and not maintain her sexiness um yeah and they yeah the film wanted to really push a believability in that they could actually fall in love where nothing about this film's about believability no. like just try and let we get that, that as an audience exactly let, yeah the bits that i did uh, like about this movie like i didn't the scenes in the with the cia agent and mr brown right at the start when he was talking about bugs. I quite enjoyed those scenes. Like, they were, you know, they were suitably amusing. And because he's got all these bugs in his house, so he's got to try and tell um, Mr. Brown that there are bugs, his house is bugged, without actually saying my house is bugged because he doesn't want his nemesis to know. So he does this in this kind of roundabout way and then he turns on a recording of him talking about artwork, which I quite liked because then all the baddies are sitting there listening to him drone on about artwork for hours. Yeah, and I thought those, I thought those, both of those characters were kind of well played. I felt comfortable when they were on the screen. They were more, they had more personality than everybody else in the movie. Yeah, and that's... Why I think, like, because I think, yeah, the bits that worked the best were the CIA bits and sort of when you saw the wires get crossed or them be overconfident in their practice and it sort of fail. But because they didn't commit to that being the best bit of the movie or that being the reason we're there to see it, instead try to focus on Tom Hanks being a... a, Yeah, trying to put that rom-com angle on it and too much Hanks time, too much Hanks time. Yeah, especially Um, when it was such a bland Hanks. Yeah, those moments were not were too few and far between, and it and also kind of got a bit grating because 
you felt like you had like these big half hour swabs of okay this we're about to set up a joke guys we're about to set up a joke we're about to set up a joke here's the joke where <laughs> if you'd just done the joke <laughs> it's probably going to land a bit better yeah totally you know like when when you see some of those wires get crossed there's too many sort of flags of it's coming yeah it's coming up can yep. you see what's going to happen yep. they're going to think that and they actually thought that yeah it, it's weird that this movie both over explains and under explains at the same time <laughs> yeah like i think that the scene i kind of like the scene where they're in the apartment trying to tear it to pieces to find anything and then reconstruct it yeah but i think they could yeah again if they'd just gone further with that and and um and explained it less and sort of had more like you know faceless men in suits or women in suits just tearing down this apartment and doing little bits it would have been a lot better yeah because I do like those bits too that for the rest of the movie um, things in his apartment are falling to pieces yeah or the bit where he you know he fl- <laughs> flushes the toilet by turning on the shower and yeah because um, they've replumbed you know, those things bits, wrong yeah. yeah all which yeah, were in the trailer for the French film that I watched yeah. <laughs> that's like, it like they've taken all the bits the best bits I don't yeah I'm not sure what other I'm sure they took other bits as well but like literally everything that I saw in the trailer for the French film was in this one. It's a problem that we'll talk about more next week but from the 80s onwards film had to have a big shake up because of the invention of home media. You know before home media was around you know your VHSs your laser discs whatever film didn't have to worry too much about people comparing it to the last version of that being made Mm, yeah and there was sort of i guess a relevance in the market to remake something for a new audience yeah but this was sort of right on the cusp and i think where cinema probably got its most lazy around that sort of concept of just sort of like let's just do that again same thing yeah you know we'll, we'll charge people again to see it yeah and i think home media really pushed a wave of um originality but especially in this period of cinema it really highlights the laziness i think yeah more than anything yeah totally yeah did i miss something or like i don't even fully think that i understand the plot of this movie like i mean i understand the plot of the movie but why did the baddies suddenly like i know that the cia the head of the cia decided to meet up with this guy random guy in the to to put him on the scent of tom hanks when tom hanks wasn't really a target or Mm. an agent but why did they? Why were they so interested in him? Are they just trying to find out anything they can about what the CIA agents up to? Because the head of the CIA was um, on trial, and he was like, "I'm just about to get some more information on Morocco, where he'd been set up." So oh, they thought, I so think they Tom thought Hanks was, gonna, was this and agent that was going to testify and put the right, deputy head the blame back on at risk. Yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Thanks for clearing that up. And they were so yeah, they were so set on him being an agent that they didn't ever really think that he's, yeah. he's not. Which, again, I think that premise is good, but it just wasn't. Yeah. The only other thing that was that was shit right at the start was the scene with the cocaine where they had the cocaine, like, busted out. Yeah, the cocaine was hidden in the tyres of the car and then the car tyres yeah. were popped and there was cocaine everywhere and it was in Morocco. And then so all of these Moroccans just, like, flocked to the cocaine and were, like, oh, yeah. saying, cocaine, cocaine, and, like, trying to shove it up their nose. And it was just so racist. Like, yeah. is that your depiction of another culture? That they're just like these animalistic people who, as soon as they see cocaine, go absolutely crazy and try and shove it up their nose. Yeah. And in a film where they sort of pulled back the farce 
so that everyone could try and maintain some dignity to have that one scene where everything went to you know level 11 it really did just put a well yeah yeah and it was only on it was only the people who weren't white americans who were doing it so (laughs) yeah that was real yuck yeah this i don't know how this one paul it's clearly not a good film (laughs) yeah um well i don't don't think i've got anything else to say i don't think anyone should be put on trial for the film oh well i Um, do for my boredom (laughs) for my hour and a half that i can't get back no it's just um you know i mentioned it before but grandpa gilmore looking very young in this role (laughs) I'm not familiar enough with the Gilmore Girls to comment on Grandpa Gilmore, but I'm glad that he's, yeah. you know, maintained yeah, a career across that time. Yeah, yeah me too. And look, um, if, if I've learned anything, it's bring back the speed dealers and the low-cut dresses. I'm actually just going to cut a U-shape out of the back of all my pants. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that is a really good idea. I think you'll really make a statement. Yeah. No, I, I think I've said all I want to say this is a film that i'm glad that we've got that physical media has died off for it i don't think we need to waste any more resources producing it but it's one that can sort of sit around in the background on google play forever that you know if you really need to do like an ultimate hanks out or or you want to go to sleep and you can't sleep i can't think of any other reason you'd watch this movie you're really into red shoes (laughs) only to mention he's he's wearing one red shoe because his friend pulled a prank on him and stole they were on tour yeah they were on tour and he stole all his other shoes except for one black one and one red one yeah. so yeah that's that's why he's got the one red shoe yeah folks and it's a different shoe to some of the shoes that are used in the poster is it actually yeah in some of the marketing material i really feel like they use um a converse but they don't it's not a converse right anyway it's yeah that's the most exciting thing about this film <laughs> Look, I don't think it did. It did terribly at the box office, and I think they knew once it was kind of all put together that it wasn't a great film. So I don't think they spent a lot of money on marketing and pushing it. Yeah, it, it really does feel like one of those ones that was almost forgotten before it was made. Yeah, in a wild way. But yeah, I think that's all I've got to say on it. As I said, the DVD had nothing going on. Um, no one's gone back to record a director's comment. <laughs> uh, who did direct it, by the way? Oh, it was Stan Dragotti who um, hasn't directed that many other things. So he's only got, like, what, eight films up there? And was active from 1972 to 1991. So not really, you know, not a prolific career. And I don't know if you'd know any of the films. Dirty Little Billy, McCoy, Love at First Bite, Mr. Mum. Oh, Mr. Mum I've heard of. She's Out um, of Control and Necessary Roughness. Right. Yeah. That, the other thing I did want to mention, I didn't mind the score. I quite thought, I quite thought, quite I thought the thought. score wasn't too bad. Like the score that, like just under the whole film? Yeah. Yeah. Um, including the opening titles where you sort of see um, all the actors' names come up and certain letters are in red. and Yeah. Um, the music that, that accompanies that, I remember sitting down to watch it and thinking, oh, this is, you know, all right, this gets me into it. But then, yeah, as you said. The Downhill from there. The, yeah, the, totally, I reckon the... Yeah. The opening sequence is pretty good. Yeah. Simple, and That's when effective. I really feel like they committed committed to what they were going to do. They were like, okay, we're going to make this like a CIA witty sort of thing. And then it really just felt like, oh, that was too hard. Let's yeah. just copy stuff from the French one for the last hour. Sweet. Yeah. Done. Um, so, yeah, I didn't mind the score. And look, it was Thomas Newman. Um, 
one of his earlier works, he did the score for Road to Perdition that we've looked at. He's gone on to do incredibly well as a composer, often working with Hanks. So he did American Beauty too. Yeah. So, well well done. Well done, Mr. Newman. To him. Well, Paul, I feel like I'm... I feel like I know where you're going to... What you're going to do with this one. I feel like I know which way this is going to tip the scales even further. And I'm yeah, feeling bad this... for the box set at this point. <laughs> well, look, it's it's clearly a vote for the op shop. Yeah. I don't think... I don't think it's going to cause any offence out there. Someone might pick up this box set and watch this one as one of the films. Um, it is it is so weird, isn't it? When I came back to revisit this movie, like my number one thing was like, why can't I remember anything from this movie apart from Grandpa, Grandpa Gilmore being in there? And then, it, yeah, just having watched it again, it's just fading so fast. Yeah. So incredibly fast. Yeah. Well, I hope so because if you're keeping this in your brain, I feel like yeah, I feel like there should be more important things that you've got that you can use that brain space for. But no, it's a vote for the op shop. Yes. So what have we got? We've got three for the op shop. One, two, three for the op shop. One for keep. One for keep. What will next week do us? Next week might throw. Well, I don't know. I haven't watched the film, but from your hints and your anxieties about how I'm going to react to it. I'm thinking that maybe next week could even be, like, a vote for the bin, which would really mm. throw a spatter in the works. So yeah. all options are still there. Speaking of reasons to not keep things, I did notice that Disney Plus this week, just this week, added big to its oh, no of way. films. Yeah. So I'm sure that thing you do isn't too far off. Yeah. Because that's, that's a very... Yeah. Maybe not the man with one red shoe that, like, pressing, clicking the button, dragging <laughs> that from their digital library onto Disney Plus would be it's too not much worth effort. It. Yeah, not worth definitely it. Definitely not worth it. When you could yeah. be putting something else on, I think. Yeah. Let's do the other ones first. Well, um, I don't have Disney Plus. I got it for a hot second so I could watch Hamilton, and now I don't have it anymore. And I'm really annoyed that they're making people pay so much for Milan, which I know they're trying to recoup costs and whatever, but I can't afford to pay $40 to watch Milan in my lounge room. I'm no. sorry. And I really and want to fucking got, watch it. You've only got three months till it'll just be part of Disney Plus. Oh, really? Oh, great. Yeah. Can't wait. So, yeah. Also, I just watched, um, I'm, I just watched the, the original again and that was great. So Yeah. Great. Well, great. there we go. We've discussed the man with one red shoe more so than I think anyone else has ever done. Yep. And would recommend that no one else ever does. No. Let us be the no. last voice on the man with one red on shoe. <laughs> and please don't watch it. Unless, like I said, if you can't sleep and you need something, you know, mind-numbing and inoffensive, then go for it. Yeah, well, that's it. My advice is, yeah, I mean, you can watch it if you want, but I can give you no reason why to. <laughs> Except for those speed dealers. That is a sight to behold. <laughs> and also, what did you call it? Sexy plumber's crack. Erotic plumber's crack. Erotic plumber's crack. I think erotic plumber's crack might also be one reason. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this fortnight. Uh, next week, we'll be doing our very final Hanks of this collection. It is called a Bachelor Party. Bachelor party. And I can't wait. Yes. Until then, thanks for listening. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, etc. Yep. Send us an email. I've been checking that email box more often. Oh, great. I have not updated the 
Instagram yet. So no, but we've we've had a bit of a boost. Hanks has really done well for us on Instagram. No, on um on listens. Ah, cool. People are really into this Hanks guy. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.